0: We've been going through this incredible series, right? We've started this series that I, I'm just really excited about About taking the time to stop, just waiting a minute, and giving thanks to God for all that He has already given us. Yeah. How many can say that if God doesn't give anything else, He's already given so much? How many of us can say that God is so good? And we can look back at our lives and say, man, there's a testimony of God's goodness over and over and over and over again. Even at times when I've fallen short, there's a testimony of God's faithfulness over and over and over and over again. Isn't that our testimony? That's our testimony. So we talked about just diving into understanding that God is good and we have enough. God has given us enough that that we should be thankful for those things. It's important that we try to redeem our thinking and our thought life and the way that we process life from consumerism, right? This whole idea that the next big thing is going to make me happy. Never happens. Only makes happy for a moment, right? Never satisfies. But the gifts of God of God are good for all times, for all seasons, for all circumstance, and He always satisfies. So today i like to continue to dive into the series of of the gifts that God has given. Last week, we talked about the need to live in contentment. We said that contentment is so important. Uh, and we can be contented or people who are content with what we have and not have, are at peace uh, with what we have and not have. We talked about contentment. We talked about one of the gifts that we have from God that gives us contentment. And I believe that strongly, that repentance is a gift from God that brings contentment. Why? Because repentance is what? We talked about this, putting our faith in Christ, turning away from our sins, right? And following after Him. And what a great God He is that He offers repentance. That He gives us the ability to turn away from our sins, to repent and, and live for Him. That's a great gift. I told you that we have to redeem that word. It's become a bad word in our culture. But man, all of all of the goodness of God is tied to repentance. Praise God for Uh, the ability he gives us through his spirit to repent, to turn and follow after him. Isn't he good? The reason, the ability he gives us to choose for or against him, isn't he good? So we talked about repentance, and today I want to dive into peace and understanding peace. You know, uh, if you're alive today, if you're in touch relationally with anyone, you realize that there are things happening in our world that can rob us and, that, and really disturb us and, and take our peace, aren't they? So many different crises happening all the time. And it seems to me that I turn on the TV and I'm not over one crisis, but yet another crisis rises. It's like, what's going on? I'm, I'm not even over the situation, and here's another deal, and another deal, and another deal. And I'm concerned. But what concerns me is that it almost seems as if we've grown cold through the whole process of every crisis, every terrorist attack and everything. It's just kind of just the new norm. And this new norm is not conducive to peace, is it? When I think about the attacks in Paris, when I think about the ISIS crisis, when I think about the racial tension here in America, when I think about the crimes committed by those who wear uniform and, 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 and whatever it may be, on and on and on, when I think about the crisis of San Bernardino right now, look at all those things. And to be honest, it's hard not to be overwhelmed. Can I say that? It's hard not to be overwhelmed. And I, I want to tell you, if, if it's made you anxious or if you've been concerned, if you've been worried about those things, you've passed the human test. You're human. Because it's natural to see these things and be concerned. And for that reason, I'm so thankful that God's peace doesn't depend on the things of this world. For that reason, I am so thankful that I am not of this world, but I am—I belong to the kingdom of God. That doesn't make me disconnected from the reality that many of us are grieving and mourning and in sorrow. But that, that gives me perspective in the midst of the storm. Jesus was trying to give perspective to his disciples in the midst of the storm. He was trying to give them perspective before the storm came. And we see in the Bible in John chapter 14, 15 through 16, that Jesus begins to dive into a portion of script, in a, a, a portion where, where he begins to deal with the disciples and try to prepare them for the time where he would die on the cross, where he would suffer. And, and you could see that they were not really getting it. But Jesus did. In, those, in that portion of scripture, in, in those verses, there are things that you and I can learn about the peace that God gives, this gift that God gives us. Do you know you have a gift from God that the world cannot take from you? Can I say this? Any gift God's given you, the world cannot take from you. And peace is a gift from God. So if we don't have it, it's because we're not using it or because we've relinquished it. But the world can't take it from us because God gives us. Th- this gift. So I want to talk about peace. And I want us to look at what the scriptures teach us about peace and what Jesus said about peace. John 14, verse 27 says this Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Thank you for your anointing, Lord God, to declare your word. Father, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you would give us an ability to grasp this peace that you've given us to walk in it, to practice it in Jesus' name. Thank you for an anointing to receive your word, that the peace I preach is the peace I have, that the peace that's heard today is the peace that we have in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is peace? Jesus clearly says that the peace that he gives is different than the peace that the world gives. When we consider the world and we consider the peace that the world gives, I believe that what the world gives is really a false peace, a pretense Kind of a peace. Peace a lot of times is the wor- in the world is just a momentary ceasefire. Take for example Russia. The Cold War has been over for many years, but how many of you believe that there's no tension between the US and Russia? Right? Tension still exists. And in the same way we can relationally have tensions with each other, but just kind of not really verbalize it. Some of us deal with it this way. Well, I don't really like that person. If I see them, I'm going to blow up. So I'm just going to keep my distance and keep peace. Not really keeping peace. Sometimes the peace that this world gives is just a momentary ceasefire. The peace of this world is running away from conflict. Again, the same thing. Uh, That person really gets on my, you know, this issue I don't want to deal with. This issue is a big deal. I'm not going to deal with that elephant in the room. So I'm just going to run from it. Act like it's not there. I'm going to dance around the elephant. I'm going to do circles around, but I'm not going to address the elephant. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes there's just peace that's just a false peace. Keeping up with pretenses. The prophets would say, uh, woe to you who say peace, peace, when there is no peace. And oftentimes the people of Israel thought that everything was groovy simply because there was was a prosperity at the surface. But the prophets would know the heart, God knew the heart, and he said, no, there is no peace. Woe to you who say peace, peace, when there is no peace. And the reality is America may be outside of a recession, but let me tell you something. Prosperity is not the only way to gauge whether we're right with God. Sometimes prosperity can be a curse that keeps us from seeing that we're not right with God. Oh, to us who say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. But Jesus doesn't give this kind of peace. You look at the peace that the scriptures talk about. is a peace that talks about quietness and rest and tranquility. Noah Webster defines it this way, peace and peace. Uh, 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 two of the ways that he describes it, and I believe this is a scriptural piece that Jesus is referring to here when you look at the at the word. Peace is freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like. Peace is quietness of mind. How many, how many of y'all want quietness of mind? Man, I long for quietness of mind. I look for quietness of mind. I practice quietness of mind. Because without it, everyone suffers, right? Tranquility, calmness, and a quiet conscience. In other words, your conscience is not beating you up because of past sins or it's not beating you up because of crescent sin or whatever it may be. Peace is also heavenly rest, the happiness of heaven. You know, the gifts that God gives are eternal. We not only experience God's peace here on earth, but we get to experience the peace of God eternally. So when we talk about this gift, we have to keep in mind that eternal eyes, right? Our lives don't end when we die here. We have eternity to look forward to. Are you looking forward to eternity? I'm concerned. I'm really. Con- are we looking forward to eternity? Yes. How many of us will want our lives to be marked by this kind of peace? Now, God has already given us this peace, and you and I need to begin to unwrap this peace. Today, I want to share with you some vital truth about understanding God's peace. Let's dive into the scriptures for today and find out what the scripture tells us about peace. Jesus says, "Peace I leave you." Peace, I leave you. Wait a minute. Peace, you leave me. Where are you going? See, the reality is this is a common greeting or a a common farewell statement that Jews would say. Peace, I leave you. But not as the world. Not as the world gives peace. And here is Jesus saying, in a sense, goodbye. You have to understand that the disciples didn't know the plan of God. The disciples didn't understand that the Son of God had to come and die on the cross and and all these kinds of things. They had a perspective of a Messiah that would be totally different. They lived and did ministry with Jesus for three and a half years. And for all of those three and a half years, most of them were like, What is going on? What is going on? Until the very end, you find in chapter 16, finally, after three and a half years, they say, finally, we know what we're saying. Finally, you're speaking clearly. Now we understand. And Jesus looks at them and says, really, you understand now? Because let me tell you what's going to happen. All of you will leave me alone. But I won't be alone because my Father will be with me. Three and a half years. Walking with Jesus, not really understanding, not grasping, not because they were ignorant. Uh, well, maybe they were, but not an ignorant that you and I, an ignorance that you and I wouldn't have committed. But just not understanding the things of the kingdom and what God had in store and having a different perspective of the way the Messiah would come to save the world. His disciples did not understand all this. Jesus looked at them as they were fishing and doing their trade and doing whatever, and all he said was, follow me. Follow me. And then all of a sudden, Jesus at one moment says, peace, I leave with you. What do you mean you're leaving? How can you be leaving? How come you get to go to a place I don't get to follow you at? This makes no sense to me. And so Jesus has to redirect them and begin to teach them and instruct them that they will be ready for the persecution that is to come. John chapter 16 on down as Jesus is trying to deal with his disciples and give them perspective. He says to them, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. A little while, and now in verse 16. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what in the world is he talking about? A little while I'm going to see, a little while I'm not going to, what is he talking about? So they were saying, verse 18, what does he mean? Verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she is sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. I have said these things to you in figure of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have sorrow. You will have grief. In this world you will have suffering. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome suffering. But take heart, I have overcome the prince of the air. But take heart, greater is he, greater is he that lives in us than him that lives in the world. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Notice what Jesus says in verse 33. I have set these things to you, that in me you may have peace. What does he mean by that? Quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, right? Peace, the absence of anxiety of the disturbance that comes from the enemy, the persecution, or even the circumstances that surround. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I want you to just think about this with me. Raise your hand if you believe that you abide in Christ. Okay, that's good. Raise your hand If you believe that you live in this world, I better see every hand. Okay, you're. If if you have a neighbor that didn't, do not pinch them. Okay. We live in this world, and what did Jesus say we will have in this world? Tribulation. We will have trouble. Can I abide in this world and abide in Christ at the same time? Can I be in this world and at the same time abide in Christ? Well, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I want you to notice. Jesus says, in me you will have peace, and in this world you will have trouble. I am in Christ now, and I'm also in the world. I want you to just keep that in mind as we dive into this. Number one. What is Jesus instructing? What, what can we learn about peace when we read this passage? This is very good. This is I, I want you to grab a hold of this. Peace is about the person of God. Peace is about the presence of God. Peace is the product of God being there. The disciples were really concerned because they were like, where are you going? Their whole lives. They were dependent on Jesus. Jesus was their, their peace. Jesus was their all. And Jesus was leaving. And I want you to notice what Jesus did. He said, it's better as you read the, if you read the verses in chapter 16, verse 5 through 7. Notice what Jesus is saying. I'm leaving and I'm telling you so that you can be ready. I'm leaving you peace, by the way. Because when I leave, I'm going to do this deal. This is what I'm going to do. It's to your advantage that I leave because when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Right When the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to do certain things. He's going to teach us the truth. He's going to convict us of sin. He's going to convict us of righteousness. And He's going to convict us that the devil is defeated. Praise God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will also be a comforter. I don't know if you've been at a place where nothing can comfort you by the presence of God. But, but let me just say this. Nothing better than being comforted by the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. I've said this so many times, I'll say it again in case you missed it. A counselor is not someone who just gives advice. A counselor is someone who is patiently walking with you, slowly, slowly, until you get to the point where you see the truth and you can receive it. And then when you receive it and you realize the broken mess that we are, praise God that that same counselor is the comforter that says, I'm not going to let you go. We're going to walk through this together. The Holy Spirit's a comforter. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. And Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you without me, without peace. I'm leaving you with my Holy Spirit. Now, peace is not just going to be something outside of you. Peace is going to be something internally inside of you. The kingdom of God lives in you, and the shoulder, the government rests on the shoulders. His name is Prince of Peace, right? And of that peace, it extends, and there is no end of that peace. Now, I want you to think about this God that is not bound by time. He existed eternity past and eternity future. This is what I want you to think about. All of his kingdom, all of his goodness from eternity past, peace, all of that lives in you. All of that. God, King, His government, His power, His authority, His peace in you right now. Whew. That's some good stuff. That's some really good stuff. I, I, I use this with the youth, but I don't know if the youth even know, because they're probably not even born when this movie came out. Anybody ever seen The Matrix? You ever, you ever see that part in Matrix where Neo finally gets it? You know, he knows the numbers kind of start flashing. He's like, I know who I am. And he's just like, he's gesch- just whooping stuff. And he's just like, you know? do you remember that? Do you remember when Neil just goes off on everybody, it was, it's, it's the best man scene ever. Right? Listen, I want you to think, I want you to think about this. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is in you. Does that that do anything to you? Do you think that's just religious talk? That the power that raised somebody from the grave, the king of kings, lives in you? I want you to think about this. Jesus, the greatest person that ever lived ever, period, no question asked, says, it is better that I leave, that I may send my Holy Spirit. You know what God longs for you? He longs for you to be governed by his peace internally. Our lives don't have to be a turmoil. He longs for us to be governed by his peace. You know what? It kind of reminds me when the disciples were at the boat and the water was going all crazy. And uh, and Jesus was sleeping. They go to, to Jesus, right? Because Jesus is their peace. And Jesus calms the waters. And so Jesus, as he walked around, peace was a dominant trait of his because that's who he is. God is peace. It's interesting. I don't know if you've noticed that there are certain people that they take a certain mood with them no matter where they go. You know, it's like man, that person. There's always drama when that person comes around. The anxiety in the room kind of just races. Everybody gets angry all of a sudden when that person comes in the room. Things are just crazy. Nobody here. I'm using this as an example for some movie, <laughs> right? Or there are people who are just like man, they're the life of the party. When they come, it's just so happy. The environment is so good. It's just they're a blessing, right? You know, let me let me just put it out there that's each and every one of us depending on what governs us from within whatever governs us within is going to manifest without so whatever is happening in the news or in the world or whatever you know the reality is what's governing our hearts is the holy spirit within and are we letting the holy spirit within internally manifest that peace outside of us so that when we walk around it's not drama but the very presence of the peace of god come on Let me rephrase that. I realize that I got problems. I realize that I come home and sometimes the environment, the intensity in me sets the wrong mood in my home. And that is not for the kingdom. That is not for God. That is not a representative of the love of the Father. I have to check the flesh and say that has to go on the cross so that the shalom of God will be manifest in me. Are you with me? Peace is a gift God's given you. Have you unwrapped that gift? Are you walking in that peace? The first thing we see in this is that peace is about a person. When Jesus talks about peace in this passage, he refers to peace being a product of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his disciple. The second thing, and we'll close with this, is that peace can be had in the midst of trouble. Isn't that good news? You can have peace in the midst of trouble because our peace does not depend on outward circumstance. I want to say that again. Our peace, which comes from the person of the Holy Spirit, which is a manifestation of the person of the Holy Spirit within, cannot be contained by what's happening in the world. That's an insult to God. That's an insult to the greatness of who He is. The peace that governs me within is greater than the conflict outside. In this world you will have trouble, but I give you peace. In me you will have peace. Right? In me you will have peace. Even though in this world you will have trouble. Let me tell you the good news. Even though you have trouble in this world, your heart doesn't have to be troubled because you're governed by the Holy Ghost. Are you with me today? You know... Something that Jesus does that we need to learn to do is that Jesus gave the disciples the good news and the bad news all at the same time, right? He said, come follow me. I'm going to give you eternal life and a cross. <laughs> Let me give you this power so that you can go set people free from demonic possession, but you will also be in prison and die in jail. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I am going to do great things, but you got to suffer, Jack. You know, the Bible says it has been granted not only that you would live for God and experience his life, but that you would also suffer. Bible makes no exception. Today, it's like we preach this message that, that, that makes it sound like there is no suffering. There is no grieving. I've been to funeral services where people haven't been allowed to grieve because that person was a Christian and they're in heaven. So everybody should rejoice. But I miss them. It's okay to grieve. Jesus is not against grieving. He's not against humanity. You know what I'm saying? Somebody better cry when I die. Glory to God. Somebody love me enough to cry. It's just not human, you know? You walk into a place and people aren't crying and they're celebrating. You're like, this is like the Twilight Zone. I'm walking out of here. Don't want the Kool-Aid. Right? I mean, really, suffering is suffering. Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to even know him in his suffering, that I may know him intimately in the power of his resurrection. We want the resurrection life, but we don't want to die. We can't raise to life if we don't die. Suffering Suffering is a part of the walk. But the good news for us is our lives never end in suffering. Suffering is just an usher. It's a vehicle to greater glory from God. I'm going to say that again. Suffering, trials, storms, whatever we face, they're only vehicles to greater glory. Greater glory in God. In this world, we will have trouble. But take courage. Even though we have trouble, Jesus overcame the world. And because he overcame the world, guess what we get to do? We overcome with him. We overcome with him. So, Pastor, what what should the government do about immigration and the crisis? How should we respond to the racial tension? What, what should we say about Paris and San Bernardino and all these things happening in the world? What what should what should be said about this and that? Well, let me speak to something greater than what should be said. Let me remind you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Greater is he that lives in you than him that lives in the world. If we believe that, if we believe that, I believe that the church will walk in power no matter what the government decides. And I prefer focusing on making sure that I'm putting myself in a place where I'm a conduit of the glory of God than worried about whatever policy is made in the government. Oh, boy. Not that I'm not interested or that I'm not concerned. I'm concerned for this country. But I am more concerned with a church that doesn't know the power of God. I don't want to be like A.W. Tozer said, a dead preacher preaching dead sermon standing behind a pulpit that is dead. I want to know the power of God. I don't want to have a form of godliness. I want to walk in the power of God. And I believe that if we started walking in the power of God, some things would be really insignificant to us. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, just like repentance, peace is a gift that we have to unwrap and we have to practice before we're good at it, just like riding a bike, right? If I'm riding a bike, it's going to take some time before I can get off that training wheel, right? And, and then when I get off them training wheels, I may scuff up my knees, And you and I, because God has given us peace, we know that the peace that we have is not something that we work up, but rather something God's given, a gift that we have to practice. A gift that we have to practice. How do we practice the gift of God's peace? By being in the Word and believing His Word. Devotionally, making sure that we're reading His Word. By prayer. By prayer. Praying every day, trusting God, saying, God, I give you, I entrust to you my heart and my emotions. Someone asked me one of the greatest questions this week. They said, what else do I need to do to continue to live the life for the kingdom of God? What else do I have to do? And I said this, you know, I don't know that the answer is doing anything. Sometimes the answer is just being still and knowing that he is God and that he loves you. And that what you do is not really the place of your peace, but God is the person that brings peace. That makes sense? You receive that today? Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the gift of peace. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How long? I long to gather you under my wings, you said. Jerusalem, meaning I see, I know peace. And Jesus, you being the person of peace, and you said, how long I wish to gather you under my wings, under the government of my peace, but you've rejected me. I can't imagine how you wept. I can't even imagine how that must have felt. Your people rejecting your government. But Lord, here we are today. Liable to make the same mistake. Being called by the Prince of Peace to live in peace and yet our lives in total turmoil because we don't trust you. Lord, would you deal with us? We want to walk in the power in the power of your kingdom and the presence of your Holy Spirit and under the government of your peace. Lord, thank you for the gift of peace today. Oh God, you can take everything from me but if you give me you if I have the peace that you promised, what else do I need? Lord, thank you for your peace. Maybe you're here today and you're realizing that as we're talking about peace, that the reason why there's absence of peace in your life is because there's an absence of the presence of God. So you know what? I'm not talking to God. I'm not welcoming God in my home. I'm not welcoming God in my entertainment. I'm not welcoming God to speak. And I want to repent of that. I want to welcome God. I want to come up to the altar and just make a declaration. Lord, you're welcome in my home and in my business. You're welcome. You're welcome. I welcome you in. If that's you today and you're saying, I want to welcome the presence of God in my life. I realize today the lack of peace in my life is because I am not welcoming his presence as, as I should. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? to be honest with you, I'm already here at the altar. That's why I'm not running up here. This last week, my mind was an anxious mess. I'm just, I'm confessing this. My mind was an anxious mess. I got so much to do. You have no idea all that I got to do. You got no idea. all I gotta, And somehow, some way I went to that old flesh default. You got to make it happen. 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 And, and the Lord just kind of whispered, son, where, where's my presence and all that? Where's the time for you to abide in me? What makes you think that I call you to do something that you're suppo- you're going to do in your strength? Nothing I called you to do, you will be able to do in your strength. If you're here today, you're saying, I know that I need the presence of God. I need to welcome the presence of God in my life to greater levels. If that's you, would you come to the altar? Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I realize that I don't have peace because I let circumstances, the circumstances of this world just take me up and down. My life is a mess sometimes because I let circumstances rule my emotions, my thought life. And today I want to take that back. Say I'm not going to let these circumstances take my joy. I'm not going to let these circumstances take my peace. I'm not going to let the storms Make me forget that the Prince of Peace is in the boat with me. Are you with me? That's you today. Would you come up to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Come up to the altar. We'd love to pray with you. Would the altar workers join me? Um, The altar workers join me. Let's pray. Church, I declare to you shalom. Let the peace of God guard your hearts and your mind. Let the person of peace be so evident that as you walk around, people say, man, there's something about you. There's some peace. There's some joy about you. May you be so entrenched, so filled with the presence of God that the mark of your character would not be anxiety, but the mark of your life, the word that defines you would be shalom, the peace of God manifest in you through you for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And the altars were open. We love to pray with you.